Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. teaching, so I'm hoping you got your Bibles, I'm hoping you got some pens and, and uh, you can take notes, because it's really about teaching and layering in something you can get your teeth into, and uh, I hope you're ready for that, amen? Bible says people perish through the lack of knowledge, and so I want to layer in a, a big truth again this morning. I want to continue our series of The Promised Land and I want to talk about another giant. I said I wouldn't, but I was compelled to, and my arm was twisted. And I will talk about, I've never preached about this one, but this giant is about uh, protection, uh, having protection. And this particular, and I think uh, just for people who are visiting maybe, we're talking about entering into our promised land, which now, I mean, that's a real story uh, in, in the Old Testament, um, and of course, God's people going into this promised land where it was flowing milk and honey and gold and silver and all the provision was there, but they had to really man up and take on the giants and, um, and you know, do some battle and take what was theirs, in, you know, and, and so I think that still applies now to, and definitely still applies to our Christian life and, um, and so what we want to uh, use this as an illustration, use its uh, principles and uh, the illustration of this whole story in applying it to the New Testament life of saying the promised land is really everything that Christ died for on the cross of Calvary. Your healing, your blessings, your best marriage, your best life. Uh, you're, you're, you're just living in that zone where you feel like you're just anointed by God, the, the empowering presence of God is around you, and you, you're not only being blessed, but you're being blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Yep. Who wants to be who wants to be blessed to be a blessing? Yeah. And uh, if you if you get that understanding right there, you will your business, your life, it will be blessed. You will you will find your smile. You will get a better job. You will do well in life. And uh, wasn't my wife this amazing this morning? She's our reserve worship leader. She's just, she's usually on the side. She just usually cuts the oranges and for the team. But, and, uh, she, she, but, but they had, we, we sort of had a situation where we had to say, Jules, it's your lucky day. <laughs> Praise God. Awesome. This giant um, that presents itself, I'd say we've talked about uh, the giant of fear. That's a real one. That's really pervasive across the planet. Fear, people living in fear, literally hold up in their homes. And uh, the other one is, uh, what was the other one? Come on, I'm testing you now. The mouth, the power of the mouth. You know, some people run themselves down. Uh, some people put themselves into early grave by, by just their, their language and and they put other people in the grave too with their words. And so 101 Christianity is, is really managing your words. And, uh, and the women say, amen. 
because women usually are subject to a lot of criticism and negativity, especially, unfortunately, by men. And, uh, and that's not good. Men, women need to be nurtured and cultivated and washed in the word. And uh, wouldn't you love that, ladies, to have a man that would wash you in the word, speak over you, prophesy over you. I'm not looking at you, Marty. Uh, <laughs> will wash over you and, and anoint you with the word. So I don't know why I was looking at Marty. But the, and, um, and so that's a beautiful thing when that's happening. And it's good, too, for the man, too, because he needs to be washed in the word of God, too. What was the other one? The other one was money. Probably uh, one of the huge giants that face the Christian in living in this zone of honoring God, trusting in God, is believing God, Jehovah Jireh, is our provider. And especially men, they need to, you know, work it out themselves and provide the way through this obstacle called course called life themselves and provide and they work every hour and they struggle and strive and by the sweat of their brow they acquire and persevere to get as much money as they can but at the end of the day God owns the whole shebang and you know he can get it to you uh, with you know just living right for him honoring him living in his zone and working, of course, you can be suitably blessed, amen? And you don't have to serve that spirit of mammon, which I guess people end up bowing their knee to. Um, and, 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 and of course, then they realize they're serving not God, but they're serving materialism and greed maybe and all sorts of awkward stuff. We talked about that last week. But this one is about um, the necessity of needing to be protected and and people sometimes try and do that themselves but God is a fortress a mighty fortress amen he is a refuge a city a refuge he's he's a strong tower he's awesome and he can be our protection and this is what I want to talk about I want to talk about uh, this other giant that was in this, uh, there's several giants. This other giant is the Perizzites. And they, their name means unwalled, meaning that they didn't live in walled towns or cities. They lived in tents. And uh, we know what that felt like, uh, five years in a tent as a church. Um, but there was another name that they were known by, or that their name means, and I'll talk about that in the moment. So I guess the greatest wall that man has... Okay, so what's the title of this uh, the sermon? The Need for Protection, the Perizzites, the promise, and it's from the Promised Land series. Um, the, greatest, the greatest building project ever is, was the Chinese building the Great Wall of China. 1,800 miles. I don't know if there's anyone's been on this wall. Uh, have you, Pat? Praise God. I mean, 1,800 miles of wall uh, that really, because of the necessity of feeling that they needed to be protected from the northern neighbors who were the Huns, uh, they built this humongous wall. It's the only structure that man has ever built that can be, I think it's still, the only thing that can be seen from space, the Great Wall of China. And, um, and of course, it was built by millions of people, and actually, uh, apparently a million, million souls were lost in building it. And, um, 
but uh, yeah, it, it went on for years, but it is symbolic of the necessity for man to need protection. That's why we have our homes, walls to protect us from the elements, prying eyes, intimidations of the whatever. We, we need protection. It's common sense. Um, I guess, in a sense, we need spiritual protection as much as we need physical protection. As Christians, we realize that. Um, but I want to make a point here that says this giant, this pervasive stronghold that, that tries to come against us to thwart us living in the promised land, it would, it would cause us to be uh, unprotected, to put our walls down, to not be proactive, not pray, not, not, not you know, use the word uh, to take our ground. I love watching our soccer team uh, yesterday, and you know, just they're, they're on that they're on that field. And for me, when you're on the field, that team takes authority of that field. Not just you don't just stand here and this is your no, this is your field. You're going to use it to score goals, and so you become proactive in that. And um, and of course, if you do. You score goals. So I think if we turn up on God's promised land field and just, just be concerned about our little place here in our salvation, it sort of restricts you from the main game. But if you lift your eyes up and look out across the playing field of life and get a bit proactive and start to engage the other players, man, you can do some great stuff for God. Amen? So I want to talk about that. Uh, here's Deuteronomy 3.5. I hope the guys have got this. I sent it quite late last night. Sorry, guys. The Perizzites means unwalled town or village. It's used in the Old Testament to describe an unprotected dwelling place. It would mention that here, Deuteronomy 3.5. All these cities were fortified with high walls and with gates and bars. And there were also a great many unwalled villages, Perizzites, they're called. They're, they're these people that didn't believe in walls. And There's a Bible prophecy that warns us of the danger of unwalled places in Ezekiel 38 verse 10. And 11, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. 38, 11, you will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. And I will attack a peaceful, unsuspecting people. And all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. Well, I just want to stop right there and just say, prophetically, I think a lot of us would do well to recover the shield of faith to protect our families, our loved ones. And even this week, I found myself praying for my loved ones, for my family, praying, being proactive. Because that's what we're called to do. Otherwise, the walls, that protection. I believe in a sovereign God. I believe he wants to protect us and bless us. But I also believe that he's given us responsibility to 
engage the spiritual warfare of our life. And guess what? Unfortunately, I have to tell you that you are in a spiritual war. That when you got saved, even more so. Maybe when you were unsaved, the enemy didn't care too much. But, but now you're saved, he knows your number. I mean, that's, that's some, that's some um, yeah, sobering thought, but he could be more mindful of you now because you're saved. So you're in a war, and if you don't realize that, he's already won that war. Satan has already won that war. No, he's won, no, I meant what I said. Satan has already, if you don't believe in the spiritual war, Satan has already won his war over your life. Yes, Jesus has won the war, and we need to know that and realize. Proverbs 25, 28 says it like this. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Woo! We need to catch a glimpse of this and understand what this means. Another, another um, word that the Perizzite word means is to separate. Unwalled. And to separate. That's what this name, names mean something in the Old Testament. Names always mean something. So the name Perizzite means unwalled or to separate. So being unwalled is being open to invasion. One of the, the main deals of this Perizzite spirit is to separate you from God. When you're separated from God, you lose your protection. And that's not good. Uh, 2 Samuel 22.2 says, this is what it talks about God, our God, our rock, our strong tower, fortress, shield, hiding place, shelter and refuge. 2 Samuel 22.2 says, he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, meaning the strength of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my saviour. From violent men, you save me. Yes, God's protection is impenetrable. I love it. Psalm 144 verse 2 says, He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. God is the epitome of our safety. Amen? God is. In Him we're completely safe. Nothing, nothing can wrench us from the Father's loving arms. Satan can do all he can, but at the end of the day, Jesus wins, and he has won. Okay, forms of attack. Let's check this out very quickly. Let's have a look at the scripture, Matthew 13, 22. How does the Perizzite warfare, how does, how does it work against us? This is absolutely true, and this is what I'm seeing right now. In our world, Matthew 13, 22 says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes it, making it unfruitful. So the word of God is the basis for our faith, right? The word of God. But when the enemy allows that word that we're trying to receive right now to be choked, to stop being planted in our life, to be snuffed out, seemingly we're separating, being separated from God. Um, 
God is our refuge, our strength, our rock, our hiding place. However, we will never be able to fully possess all his provisions for our protection unless we familiarize ourselves with them through the word of God. If we don't claim it through the word of God. So reading the Bible, meditating on it, that's how we appropriate all the promises of God that he has for us. And that's why the enemy loves to be able to separate us from the word of God. Second, the second tactic used by the Perizzites in tearing down our protection is seen in the parable of the sower again, Matthew 13, 21. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So what's the, what's the other thing he uses? Maybe a series of attacks against you. Ever had this happen where you just get hit on in series so many times? I mean, we had something dramatic in our own family where I know for a fact we had three, probably four major events. Whack, and I mean major events. One event, really, that you would only have maybe ordinarily that would buffet you and it would shake you. And, but we had one, we had two, we had three, and I know we had four and we ended up in the corner, sitting on the stool, blood coming from, you know, parts of our face, with the, with the, you know, ready almost to throw the towel in. Pretty hectic. And in that, in that, the enemy tries to separate you from your loving God. Series of troubles designed to buffet you, keep you from your walk with God, sickness, personal tragedies, financial difficulties, try and tear us away. Who's been experiencing that? Just a series of attacks. It could be in some particular area too. Sometimes it's in people's health area where they just get whacked, whacked, whacked. And they, they just can't get to church even. They, man, they, they're gone for a month, they're, they're missing, they're they just, they just can't get to the meeting. They, can't, they just can't get into their groove. You just know there's something wrong if you can't get into the rhythm of life, the rhythm of grace. It's an awesome thing when someone can turn up to church every Sunday. It tells me that they're doing quite well. And, and, and to be hit on whereby you just feel like, and business can be the same too. Just getting hit on in, the, in your business world. You know, whack, whack, whack. But the early Christians, man, they used to get thrown to the lions. They used to get flogged and it's not as bad as that. Trouble or persecution comes because of the word. He quickly falls away. Spiritual warfare, God has given us spiritual protection through walls of prayer, walls of meditation upon God's word, wall of faith, the wall of Christian fellowship. Apostle Paul says it like this, and he gives this analogy of armor. Paul calls it the armor of God, Ephesians 6, 10. I'm getting somewhere, it's cool. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the mighty. You might want to open this chapter up now, and I'm just going to sit on this chapter for a bit. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this Perizzite spirit coming against you, trying to separate you from God, separate you from the word, but separate you from God ultimately. That's what I'm talking about this morning, allowing you to be unprotected, unwalled. Therefore, put on the full armor, there it is, therefore, there it is, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So what does this tell us? What's some of the highlights through there? Wrestling. It's not just uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat. This is a wrestling match. This is a wrestling match against the enemy. I don't know if you've wrestled lately, but you can get quite physical, can't it, Ollie? Wrestling. Wrestling. Major conflict, wrestling. Our battle is a spiritual battle to be fought with spiritual weapons. That's another thing we see in this scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. If you only knew how powerful your prayers were to take ground, to build up the walls around your life, You'd be amazed. It's an invisible warfare around us. It's invisible. But you need spiritual weapons to avail, to avail yourself to those things. Okay, I heard a message this, uh, this week that talked about God's sovereignty, that at the end of the day, God is sovereign, that he's purpose and his counsel will remain and stand at the end of the day. Isaiah 46, 6 to 8 says, basically paraphrase, it says, the sovereignty of God, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. So if God is sovereign and his power is unlimited, then why do we have to engage and do spiritual warfare? If he's sovereign, If he's all-powerful, why do I need to engage this warfare, this spiritual warfare? Because you have responsibility, basically. There's another word that's really, uh, really revealing something to me, and it's the word immaturity. And I heard someone call uh, basically sinners or unsaved people immature that those people who are immature, and I think that's a fair call, but there's immature saved people too that refuse to acknowledge all that they are involved in and who they are and what they can do and 
that they shrink back into immaturity, maybe to the point where they believe their sovereign God will do all, all that he can do and wants to do, but they're just going to let him do it. He's a sovereign God. He's not going to let me get beat up, I'm sure. He, he loves me. He's good to me. He's Man, do I really need to get into this battle? I mean, I'm a nice person. I don't really, I'm not really a fighter. I'm not really one to, you know, be wielding a sword of the Lord and, and uh, praying down God's, you know, will. I mean, I, I just want to be nice. I just want to, but you're in a spiritual battle, whether you like it or not. God is sovereign, but he's asking you to be responsible to what he needs to do. He says, he promises, I will build my church. But if we didn't turn up to church, be his hands, his feet, his mouth, and, and give and do all that, man, I'm going to build my church. But unless we did our part, the church wouldn't be built. And you can see this in the Old Testament. God says, I'm going to give you a promised land. Go in. Oh, you're going to have to take on some battles. You're going to have to do some battles to acquire the land, to, do, to get what, you, what I've promised. You, you're going you're gonna to have to, and, and they did. There was protracted battles where they had to go at the enemy, and it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to acquire what, the, what was theirs. It's the same deal right now. We can live here in this little part of the promised land, or we can look out further and begin to Reap what God wants us to harvest. Same principle applies, spiritual warfare. So the armor of God, let's check this out. Okay, you got your Bibles open to that scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's do this quickly. Gird your loins with truth. What are your loins? Your loins are regarded as your source of strength. When you get wounded down here, help me guys, what's the loins? Just under the rib, down to about the hips, probably even further, but wearing. Um, gird your loins with truth is really protecting this zone here, which is very valuable, very valuable to uh, reproduce. See, when you don't put the truth on, you lose your strength. Mate, to, to be protected, because this is the most, this is where you get hernias, I guess. You get a hernia you can't lift anymore. You need to protect this area with truth. What is truth? Ultimately, it's Jesus. Ultimately, it's Jesus, but it's the Word of God. It's the word of God. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Breastplate of righteousness, what's that? We used to do this all the time in the old Pentecostal church days. We used to talk about the armor of the law, but they don't do it anymore. I don't know why. The breastplate of righteousness. A soldier in battle puts on a protective vest to guard against the missiles of the enemy. Today he wears a bulletproof vest. But the breastplate of righteousness is probably this, our conscious, consciousness, our conscience in God, I should say, our conscience in Christ, knowing that we're of right standing, knowing that what he has done on the cross has allowed us to be right with him, his righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. So all those condemnational uh, accusations from the enemy, 
that come against us, you can stand against that if you've got the breastplate of righteousness on. Be careful dwelling in the negativity there, where, the, where your walls go down, your breastplate of righteousness is to the side, and you're copping cheap hits of condemnation and negativity. Be careful of hanging there because you will lose your strength, you'll lose your spiritual power to live the life. And there's nothing worse than a miserable Christian, as Andrew, I think, was saying. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. The Bible tells us, Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah expressed it this way, Isaiah 61.10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. But I'm talking about the robe of righteousness. Get that righteousness on. Understand that you are justified, you are sanctified, you are right with God. Put that breastplate of righteousness on shod uh, feet shod with the gospel of peace shoes of the gospel as they call it in another version Romans 10 15 says it like this how can they preach unless they ascend as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news the gospel of peace gospel of peace Jesus promised John 14 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Ephesians 2.4, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Talking about peace. Ephesians 2.15, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Always wear those shoes of peace, shoes of the gospel, and above all, taking the shield of faith. This is what I want to major on here for a moment. Everything that we put on is by faith. It crowns it with faith. Without faith, we're going nowhere fast. Jesus wants us to understand this so, so completely. So, it is faith that enables us to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not just some of the darts, but all of them. So, faith is not founded on anything else but the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Faith. It's not just knowledge. It's Word that falls into your heart, planted in your heart. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of God. Isn't it amazing when you feel down, when you feel like nothing, when you feel a bit spent, when you feel like you're unwalled and separated from God, but when you read the word, you feel like, oh my God, that's who I am. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, man. Then you, you want to get on the phone and ring your friend and encourage them and bless them, and, and you want to serve in the church, and, you want, and then you want to give, and then you want to serve God, then you want to come to church. It's so easy to get disorientated in this world. So easy, even for the best of us. You can, you can fall into this trap of being, feeling like I'm Mr. Nobody, I've uh, got no identity. But God, in his word, gives us identity. He gives us purpose. He gives us understanding. And he gives us this full orientation. It seems like when we, when we go in, get into the word, we enter the promised land and we go, oh my God. Oh, wow. 
yeah, I can see some giants, but man, I can see the cross, Calvary. I can see Jesus. He's paid a price for me. I, man, I've got the breastplate of righteousness. Good, my loins were truth here, man. I, man, I've got the shoes of the gospel, man. Jeez, I think I can walk this out, man. I can walk this territory. This is awesome. But you know what? It's so easy to lose that just in one day when you stop reading your word, when you don't partake of the word. I'm loving the Bible um, devotion from Hillsong, Brian Houston, about revival, recharge, revive, rebuild. And it's a 12-day with seven days into it. Who's doing it? Who's doing it in the church? Do it. And who's got the, um, who's got the, uh, the app? You version app. 100 million subscribers to the app on your smartphone which is an amazing idea from the Craig Crochelle Church and Uversion has this devotion on it and it will remind you so I get reminded seven o'clock every morning to read my devotion and I get a little video blast in there and I get the word. I've got, to sign, I've got to read it, sign it off, and then bang. Then I can upload it to Facebook to tell everyone that I've read it, to encourage other people. Why do I put it on Facebook? To encourage other people to read the word. Amen? Who's got that, by the way? You version. They've just reached the 100 million. 100 million. So, four keys to building your faith, familiarity with the word of God. Uh, praise and thankfulness in all situations, yes. Third, trust in him, yes. Obedience to his leading, yes. Four keys. I'm going to push this on. I'm nearly done. Faith is the dynamic interaction of your spirit man with God. I love that statement. Faith is the dynamic interaction of your spirit that is alive, saved, born again, alive. It wasn't when, before you were saved. It was a dead man. But now it's alive, now you're saved. You can rock for Jesus. You can praise, you can worship, you can really do great stuff. And your spirit wants to commune with God's spirit. That's where your faith comes alive. Faith is really about your spirit communing with God's spirit. That's where it comes alive. Put on your faith, it says, 1 Thessalonians 5.8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith. So, you know, it's a proactive thing, putting on faith. And love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Grow in faith, it talks about, 2 Corinthians 10.15. Neither, neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand. Talks about having steadfast faith. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I love this one. Talks about being strong in faith. Romans 4.19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was, always, was also dead. Romans 4.20 says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Shield of faith is so important. 
The next one, the helmet of salvation, that's the foundation. Work out your, folks, the best thing I could say to you, work out your salvation. Do it every week. Work it out. Some people work their superannuation out. They work it out to the letter. Ringing up and working it out. Some people work out details of their life. They're, 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 they go with their career, their studies, and they're doing all this incredible studies, awesome studies. And, and they go for their driver's license. They've got to pass all these tests and tick the boxes and answer verbally and look and all these tests. You get salvation. You go, oh, this is easy, man. Check this out. No hands. This is easy driving. Big four-wheel, 3.25-cylinder Ford Ranger. You, man, anyone can do this. You know? Whoa. And some people are like that with their salvation. Oh, this is easy, man. Check this out, man. Yeah, I've got salvation. This is easy. Look at this, man. Look at me. I'm walking on water. Praying for the sick. Wow, I'm coming to church. It's not that easy, guys. The Bible says, work out your salvation. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Work your salvation out. Helmet of salvation. Sword of the Spirit is the proactive one, all right? You can take that up, wield it, wield it around and destroy the enemy's plans. It's awesome. You know, it's, it's the only one that you use on the offensive, really. The others are, are, are sort of a defensive ones. You, you don't take your shoe off and throw it at the enemy. You don't take the shoe of the gospel out. Although they do it in another religion, don't they? They throw a shoe at people. It's a height of... It's a height... What is it? It's, it's, a, it's an insult. Thank you. It's an insult if I was to take my shoe. Not as a Christian, that's... Proactive, sword of the Lord. I'm nearly done. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Practice the word, speak the word, sing the word, declare the word, decree the word. I think I'm done. Do that. Do it. Get that word somehow. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you need to get the sword of the Lord. You need to get it in your hand. You need to find creative ways. Leave it on your breakfast table. Leave it beside your bed. Take it to the bathroom if you have to. Take it to work. Let it, let it convict you that you should be reading it. It's your sword. You don't go into battle without your weaponry. You take your sword. Your sword is your offensive tool to dismay the enemy's plans father in heaven right now let's all stand god bless you father help us help us lord somehow not to be unwalled unprotected to be separated from you god help us dear god find our ultimate protection in you through the Word of God, through your Word. Lord, we just come against that spirit that's trying to separate us from the Word of God because if we're separated from the Word, we're separated from God. And Lord, in being connected to you by the Word and Spirit, Lord, we will be protected 
and blessed and preserved and that we can, Lord, stem the tide of sin and darkness and all sorts of calamity if we pray for ourselves, our loved ones, our family, our marriages, our business. And so right now we pray, dear God, that we would be fortified in prayer by the Word, that that spirit, the Perizzite spirit that tries to choke out the Word of God from us, that Perizzite spirit that tries to persecute us to the point where we let the Word go. We pray, Lord God, and know that You are sovereign. You are the sovereign God that, who's defeated the enemy's plans. Nothing can, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not death. Nothing can separate us ultimately. But in the meantime, Lord, you want us to be preserved, blessed, protected, anointed to do great stuff for God, to walk out our days into our best, best life, the promised land, living in the ultimate plan of God for our lives. And the people of God say, and the people of God say, be careful of getting too busy. Be careful of letting yourself get too busy and stop reading your word. Feed yourself on the Word of God. That's where your faith comes from. And when you've got faith, you're going to be able to gird your loins with truth, your breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, sword of the Lord. And you're going to stand as a mighty warrior and take the land and take the promised land, your best life for Jesus and the saints say. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.